Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Welcome everybody to a brand new episode of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jonathan Mayo, along with Jim Callis, our intrepid leader and host Jason Ratliff is on vacation, hopefully someplace warm. I know it's someplace warm actually, but I hope he's having a good time. He's Taking his family to swim with pigs. You ever swim? Have you ever done that, Jim? I have. I, I have done swim sw- sw- with. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm the only yes. one. Yeah, you'll have I'm, to. Uh, I definitely have to do I that now. Swim with pigs, but that is not what we're here to talk about. Although we could. Um, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful time of year. Hope springs eternal. Spring has sprung. Do you have a favorite spring? Tired cliche, Jim. No, I just like saying the word spring training. Like, like it feels, yes. even though it is bitterly cold. I, I'm sure it's probably not very warm in Pittsburgh either, but it's, 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 it's been bitterly cold here in Chicago. We got down to the teens over the weekend. It feels like spring. Pitchers and catchers have reported. Um, I believe the hitters had a report yesterday. Like, it was the reporting date yeah, for, that's what it for looks hitters. Like. Um, as we record this, college baseball season began over the weekend of Division One season. So now it, it officially feels like I, I almost feels like New Year's Day. This is when the calendar turns for me. Uh, so I, I'm just very excited about that. And a week from now, I think we're recording next week's podcast a day early. Oh, literally a week from now, as we record this on Tuesday, you and I both will be headed to spring training. I believe me to Florida, you to Arizona. That is correct. So um, then it'll be even more real. So. No, it is. And it is cold here. We had snow the other day. For It doesn't snow here anymore, really. And uh, so we had, uh, I had to go searching for my shovel. It wasn't a ton, but it was like, yeah, so it was cold. So thinking about spring is definitely enjoyable. And you mentioned all, all the good things that are going on. We're going to talk about all that this week. Uh, the start of spring training, prospects showing up, uh, hunting for jobs, trying to make impressions in big league camp, uh, that kind of thing. You mentioned the, the start of the division one, uh, you know, start of the college baseball season opening weekend, some impressive performances by you know, people that, uh, well, we expect impressive performances in and, uh, we'll have uh, a guest, you know, we wanted to sort of mark the beginning of spring training, uh, by having one of those top prospects who is in camp you know, with the the potential to not win a job right away, 
you know, make a, another impression after having his first big league call up. And that's Jordan Lawler of the Arizona Diamondbacks. As we sort of get into talking about him, one of the few times a guy we've had on more than once. Yeah, I was trying to think how many guests have we had on more than once? I, you know, not, not that many to the point where Jason Ratliff brought up the point that he was a repeat guest, which I had not remembered because it was an interview you did with him when he was in high school. Um, yep. No, which, which seems like that was a long time was ago, not. but it really wasn't. Right. <laughs> so uh, it, it, it was only three yeah, years. Yeah. It, it's kind of crazy how quickly it's happened to, for, for Lawler making it up to the big leagues last year, being around for that run to the world series, first high schooler in that class to make it to the big leagues. I mean, it's exciting stuff. And we get into all of that. So since we are a week away from heading to spring training ourselves, why don't we start with some spring training talk? Yeah, no, I, I think so. I mean, and, and I mean, I think you and I are of the same mind of this. I mean, the most interesting part to me of spring training is which prospects are going to make big league clubs. That 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 is what captivates me the most. That, and then when we're actually in person, getting to see some guys, you know, in person that we haven't had the opportunity to. Um, you know, especially the young guys. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I'm game for some spring training talk for sure. Yeah. And I, I also love seeing last year's draft class, the ones that you know, are in camp. Um, I mean, I like seeing them, you know, once minor league camp gets going too, but, uh, when we go this early, one of the things that's great is if the team's first rounder or second round or whatever, you know, early picks, uh, typically college guys, but top of the draft guys usually get an invite no matter what. I like seeing sort of seeing them mi- mixing in with uh, with all those guys. And hey, you never know how quickly those guys are going to make it to the big leagues. I remember going to Angels camp, you know, and talking to Zach Nato and joking with him, you know, like, well, maybe I'll see you at the Futures game unless you're in the big leagues. And he was. So, um, you know, you never know how quickly it's going to happen. But yeah, there are, there are a lot of uh really interesting guys who are who are kind of hunting for jobs, competing for jobs. There's some no-brainers, right? Jackson Churio with the big contract extension, Evan Carter playing in the World Series, Kyle Harrison is going to be in the Giants rotation, Nolan Shanuel, speaking of the Angels, getting guys quickly to the big leagues, made it to the big leagues the summer he was drafted and will be their first base. And those guys are kind of the locks, but we, you know, we just did a, a one for each team feature on guys who, you know, have a chance. It's not a guaranteed, but they, uh, you know, if they don't make the team right out of the gate, you know, they could certainly open more eyes with big league staff and, and get called upon soon thereafter. Um, you know, and so we're, we're going to, we're going to pick out, about a half a dozen guys, not not just top of the top 100 kind of guys, although those those are interesting too, but sort of guys kind of that run the gamut who this spring it could be really, really interesting and intriguing. Jim, why don't you go first? Yeah, I think one of the more interesting spring training uh, auditions that, that to me is Pete Crow Armstrong with the Cubs for a number of reasons. Um, the Cubs, no secret, they're in it to win it. They're contending. They're trying to win the NL Central. They probably have as good a chance as anybody win the NL Central. Um, 
you know, but does Pete Crow Armstrong break camp with the Cubs or, or even get the center field job? You know, at what point does he take over the center field job? You know, uh, you know, the interesting part is <laughs> Cody Bellinger's still unsigned and I live in Chicago and Cubs fans want Cody Bellinger back. He had a great year for the Cubs last year. And, you know, yesterday, Tom Ricketts basically count said, I'm not going to engage with Scott Boris. I just think Scott, you know, that undermines your GM. I'm not going to do that to Jed Hoyer. We'll just see. Like, there's this waiting game. You know, Boris still has has four free agents between Bellinger and Matt Chapman and then two pitchers, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery. It's kind of like this waiting game. Like, team blink first, you know, player blink first. What's going to happen? So, so Cody Bellinger might be back. He might not. Um, the Cubs got a lot of mileage out of Mike Talkman last year, who, you know, for most of the year uh, was very effective in center field. And then he kind of tailed off toward the end of the year. And, uh, you know, not to be cynical, but he kind of turned back into Mike Talkman. I, I don't think Mike Talkman's your long-term answer in center field. And, you, you know, you it'll be interesting. So so there is an opportunity there right now. Like, they, they just made two moves, Jonathan. They, they signed David Peralta and Dominic Smith. I don't think that's necessarily going to preclude Pete Crow Armstrong from, from getting at bats. But – you know, they, they called up Pete Crow Armstrong last September. You know, they, they were trying to make it into playoffs. They, they just fell just a little bit short. David Ross was not really giving rookies a lot of playing time. And Pete Crow Armstrong got 14 at-bats and collected ex- exactly zero hits and struck <laughs> out seven times. Like, now, I mean, I think even Pete Crow Armstrong admits he, he's trying to do a little too much when he got the chance. It wasn't like they said, hey, kid, you're the center fielder for a week. Go show us what you could do. It was like, here's three at-bats here. Here's two there. You're going to pinch hit. But, you know, it wasn't like he, he seized it by storm. You know, as good as Pete Armstrong is, and he's number 16 on our top 100, he's not even turned 22 until the end of spring training. So he's still really young, did have a good year in AA and AAA. No question, defensively, like, he's ready for the big leagues. I, I think he'd be gold glove contender immediately. He's the best defensive prospect in the game. I think he had three big league starts. He made two spectacular plays in those three starts in center field. But it'll just be very interesting – I'm not a big believer that spring training stats mean a lot, Jonathan, because you're, you're facing varying degrees of competition and, and what have you. It's small sample size. Some guys are working the shape, especially on the pitching side. But I, I do think this is a case where performance does matter. Yeah. And if he performs well, he could be their center fielder. And he also, it's interesting, he could perform really well. And then they could sign Cody Bellinger on March 15th or whenever. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, PCA is going back to AAA. So I, I just think there's a lot of, intrigue surrounding him and the Cubs for a variety of reasons. So that that's probably the one that I'm, I'm most curious. Yeah. About. Th- How about you? Yeah. And I think it's interesting just, you know, cause the floor with his defense, you know, is you would think those personnel decisions aside, let's put that, let's just say Cody Bellinger signs someplace else, right? The fact that, you know, he's going to play that caliber defense up the middle, even though you're competing, I, I think should give him, that opportunity, but we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see how he does. And I agree. I do think that his performance, you know, and the watch things like, you know, make sure he's hitting at the top of the lineup. So he faces the other team's starter that day, you know, so he's facing big league pitching as opposed to in the seventh inning when he's facing another prospect. I think things like that. will it'll be interesting to see what happens. I can't not talk about Jackson holiday. Um, you know, it seems silly since we spend so much time talking about him, but he, you know, he is the number one, prospect in baseball and I think that it's you know I, I think the thing that's interesting with him it's 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 somewhat similar to PCA in that he's on a team that is competing um even more so than 
maybe the Cubs, uh, just because you know the the Orioles made it last year. They're obviously, you know, we've got the huge up arrow next to the organization, all this young talent getting to the big leagues and uh, and and things of that nature. I think the biggest question is where does he play now? You know, he's only had one year of pro ball out of high school. So it's not like there's this need, like he's got to, you boy, he's, he's got to get to the big leagues now or he's stalling or anything like that. He touched AAA. He's just so immensely talented. And I can't imagine he's not going to come into camp and be impressive. But where, Jim, where, where does he play? I mean, there's, you know, second base, I suppose. And see there, and that's the tricky thing. I I, I think he fits best at second base because I think Gunnar Henderson's a better defensive shortstop. Right. You know, of course, Gunnar can play third, but you got Jordan Westberg. Like, like they have other guys who have to play too. But if it's second base, which I think would be the spot that makes the most sense, he hasn't played a lot of second base, so you can't really. You don't want to Greg Jeffries him and like, hey, learn a new position while you're. Oh, you you're don't think he spent? You don't think he spent much of this offseason working on second base? Oh, I think he I'm did, sure he has. but it's like it's, but it's still different in game action. Of course, I, I'm just saying, of course. Like, yeah, I'm just saying. So that it's 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 interesting. You don't think like, taking I, ground balls I, in his barn isn't the same thing? Yeah, playing pickleball. No, like, no that's right. Quick reflexes. <laughs> um, so <laughs> his dad's hammering pickleballs at him from like. So, uh, hey, that might work. Like, that might work. Anyway, I, I think you know it's 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 going to be really interesting. And it, it, he's one of those guys that even if he does get sent down, he's going to force their hand at some point. Um, you know, I'm sure he learned some things during his time in AAA where he, you know, didn't set the world on fire quite to the extent that he did at every other level he played at. Um. But he's one of those guys that I think you don't kind of put a limit on based on his his age or amount of reps he's gotten in the minors. You know, he's going to let them know when he's ready and they're going to have to make room for him. Um, It's just a question of how, because they still have, you know, they traded Joey Ortiz to clear out one middle infielder, but there's still a lot. You mentioned, you mentioned Jordan Westberg. In another organization, Connor Norby would be, you know, more exciting. But because there's so many other good players, and you've got Kobe Mayo on the corners, it's it's just it's crowded. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. So I think that's going to be a, an intriguing storyline. Um, but speaking of guys who move very quickly, you know, you want to talk a guy about a guy from last year's draft class? Yeah, you know it. It's another one that's interesting just because you wouldn't normally think the defending World Series champions, you know, you mentioned Evan Carter. So I already have one rookie outfielder who who's going to you know, have a spot in the lineup, but you wouldn't ordinarily think, okay, the defending World Series champions are going to have an opportunity for a guy who was just drafted last July, but Wyatt Lankford is that good. You know, he, he's only played 44 games in the minors, <laughs> but he hit 360, 480, 677, and got the triple A. So small sample size, but but uh, that, that's like an SSSS. That's like a superb small sample size. We'll, we'll go four S's there for Wyatt Lankford. And he's, he's just that good. I mean, it, it's I think he's got as much power as any prospect in baseball. And it's not just power. I think he's an accomplished hitter. He's a good athlete, solid runner. You know, the, the offensive ceiling, you know, I think we we talked about this. I think we talked about this in the podcast. Like his, as much as we all love Evan Carter, and I love Evan Carter more than anybody else who doesn't work for the Rangers, I guess. Or the Carter family. Why Lankford? 
Yeah, well, yeah, well that's true. I, I think he's well-loved by his family. Wyatt Lankford and his wife. Uh, Wyatt Lankford has a higher ceiling. Like, that's how good Wyatt Lankford is. Wyatt Lankford's crazy good. And for a guy who went number four in the draft, I almost think he's a little underrated because that draft, as we've talked about so many times last year, was so loaded with five potential number one overall picks. Like, if Wyatt Lankford was in this year's draft class, which we'll talk about shortly this year's draft class, He'd be unquestionably the number one prospect right now. And then there's some good players in it, but it would be Wyatt Langford would be the clear number one guy right now. So anyway, um, you know, I, I think they're going to have at bats at DH, you know, like he could play some outfield, obviously, you know, they, they can rotate guys around. Like he's just super talented. So like, that would be something I, I don't, if I had to guess Jonathan, like I could see PCA and, and, and Jackson holiday breaking camp with their teams. I don't really in my heart think that Wyatt Langford's going to make the opening day roster. But the fact that we're talking about it just tells you how good yeah. he is. And speaking of which, speaking of Gators who are first round picks by big league juggernaut clubs. <laughs> why don't you take that? So you, you go to the Jeopardy board. You can take that category for 200. John. I will. You know, I think it's interesting because I think in both of these instances, both with Langford and Hurston Waldrop, the right-hander I want to talk about, uh, you know, it's one of those things where <laughs> one of the dangers when you bring a guy to camp is that the big league staff is going to look at him and be like, I want him on this team, you know, and it'll be, you know, in both cases, I could see Wyatt Langford, you know, being impressive enough in camp that they're going to start saying, I don't know, maybe he should make it. And I think with Waldrip, you know, some of it depends on what he, what he is, you know, and what you think he can be. Uh, you know, the Braves took him 24th overall in last year's draft. Uh, you know, he had transferred from, from Southern Miss to, to Florida. His stuff is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, he struck out almost 14 per nine over the last two years in college. The command is iffy. The question, you know, the question really is just what, <laughs> what he, what he ends up being. And I, I think, you know, He's another guy, you know, not that many college pitchers uh, pitch at all, um, you know, in their summer debut. And he did. He wasn't a ton of innings, but he pitched his way to triple A and was really, really good. You know, shorter stints, but again, 41 strikeouts and 29 innings, uh, you know, kept hitters to like a 169 batting average against. um, But he walked 4.9 per nine. Now. Here's the thing. He's going to come into camp and he's going to throw. And I can guarantee you that his fastball splitter combination is going to make big league hitters and probably some good ones look very, very silly. And if I'm the Braves, who are always in win now mode, how do you not consider Hurston Waldrop for your bullpen? No, I'm with you 100%, Jonathan. 100%. Use him as a multi inning reliever. Look, I mean, He's a two-pitch guy, not a three-pitch guy. The control isn't as good as the stuff. He does have but, a slider, by the way. He does have a third, a good third pitch. He just doesn't need it. Yeah, he, I guess he doesn't have a, a soft pitch, is I guess is right. It's all hard, say. but right. but I'm with you 100. percent And like you can do, I mean, what the White Sox did successfully with Chris Sale is if if I'm the Braves, anything short of winning the World Series is a disappointment. My team's that good you know, it's not just making the playoffs, it's winning the world series. I want Hurston Waltrip in my bullpen. And, you know, maybe we do what the White Sox did with Chris sale 
and Waldrop's in my bullpen for a couple of years or a year. And then I transition him back to the rotation if I need that. But like, if you told me, I wouldn't say open the season. If you told me that Hurston Waldrop led the Braves in saves this year, that would not shock. Yeah. And you know, it used to be that teams, actually the Braves for, you know, for a while would kind of introduce pitchers to the big leagues out of the bullpen and then move, you know, sort of let them transition back into, into starting. I don't know if the, like the fear is that he's going to be so good, uh, but these days I think the need for a multi-inning reliever, you know, uh, or, or, you know, a good back end guy, it's, it's even more important, you know, starters aren't going that far. Now, I guess the converse of that is, you know, with command, do you need as much command to go five innings, which is kind of what seems to be demanded of starters? Maybe not, you know, could Hurston Waldrop go five, six, his stuff holds up, which is why, you don't want to pull the plug on that, but I, I think I think he has a better chance of making the Braves opening day roster than Wyatt Lankford does the Rangers. Yeah, I agree. All right. I agree. All right, let's go off the radar a little tiny bit. Um, we, we we each have an arm, you know, who's sort of it's interesting. Uh, yours is this is a deep dive, man. We haven't talked about this guy in quite <laughs> some time. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> Forrest Whitley. Uh, who, I mean, it seems like he's been around forever. I, I first saw Forrest Whitley pitch Jonathan in the 2015 Under Armour All-America game at Wrigley Field. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot remember. You probably weren't in attendance because at that point I was working for MLB.com. And since I live in Chicago, there was one year we both went and that may have been it, but I don't remember. I think that was 13, maybe. Okay. But anyway. any, in any case, maybe 14. In any case, I first saw him at the Under Armour all-America game uh, in 2015, and that was – he was, by his own admission, he was – burly would be a nice way to put it. He was he was a bit too hefty, but he still – I think I want to say he struck out the side. First-round pick – he lost a bunch of weight. It was first-round pick the next year. You know, pretty quickly became the best pitching prospect in baseball. Led the Arizona Fall League in strikeouts in 2018. And I remember watching him that year, and he was 20, I guess, when we saw him in the Fall League in 18. Or I guess the upside, he just turned 21 that September. Right. And he looked great. And I was thinking, he's going to be in the rotation. Like, the only question in my mind was, is he in their opening day rotation in 2019? Or do they does he need a little time? Because he hadn't pitched a whole lot in minor league ball. And here we are in 2024, and he still has not pitched in the big leagues because of a series of injuries. He had some control issues. I, he, he's been hurt so many times. He had a, a lat injury last year you know, shut him down, you know, 30 innings into the triple A season. All that said, it's not out of the court. You know, every team's got openings to back the bullpen. I think every team carries like 32 relievers on their 26 man <laughs> roster now. And that's mathematically impossible, but they have, they, the Hesters have a bunch of bullpen spots open. I, he has to be out of options at this point. Um, so I think he has to make the team. And while his stuff isn't, you know, b- back in the day, I mean, Jonathan, I mean, you've seen him in the fall. I- I've never not seen this guy pitch good. I saw him last spring and he looked great on the backfields. But like when he was on in his in his heyday, all five of his pitches, fastball, curveball, slider, cutter, changeup, could be plus pitches. And some of them were like close to double plus. Like it, it was great stuff. His stuff's not quite that level. He still touches 100. He can still show you maybe not 60s and 65s, but 55s with the secondary stuff. Um, if he's healthy, he can make the Astros bullpen. Um, 
I, I will I will give a sneak preview, Jonathan. We are both of you and I are slaving away on top thirty prospects lists um, to come out the first week of March. Um, Forrest Whitley is officially in. I have to see him back in them. I can't put him back on the top thirty list. I've even had people suggest you might want to get him on there because he can make the team. But I took him off last year when he got hurt. I took him off our midseason list. I've got to see him on the mound in a real game before he'd go back on the list. I think that's But you fair. could actually see Forrest Whitley, I guess, five years after I thought it was going to happen, make it to the could make his big league debut in 2024. And I've suggested, and I, and I, I have suggested, I've been working on the Astros list recently, to multiple Astros officials. I've seen Forrest Whitley pitch, I think, eight times, Jonathan, between the Under Armour game, the Fall League, last spring. He's looked great every time. I'm just letting you know there's a chance that I may leave MLB.com and go work for the Astros if they will hire me. <laughs> I said, you just need to keep me around as your Forrest Whitley whisperer. Your, your Forrest Whitley stable my, my, pony. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my presence, my presence, he looks awesome every time. You, you, so you know, you have, we haven't. You have a calming effect. So I, I could see it. I, I guess. So I, I'm just warning you. And Jason's on vacation. So if he listens to the podcast, this will be a horrible shock to him. Yes. Like there's an outside chance the Astros come up with some cash. I'm like, guys, I'm I've worked ahead, but I've, I've written six and a half top 30s. You're going to have to do the last three and a half because I'm going to West Palm Beach. Well, so you, I'm just, you I'm, could finish the blurbs on days he's not throwing. No, no, no. If, if, if they, if they pay me enough, the blurbs are not happening. I, uh, I'll write you a Forrest Whitley blurb. I'm, that that, that would be it. it. I'm rooting for him. I always, I've enjoyed talking to him over the years, and uh, I hope, uh, I hope he gets to to touch the big leagues this year. That would be, it would be a fun, a fun story of some pretty severe uh, perseverance there. Um, all right, the the sort of slightly off the radar guy I want to talk about is an as far off as far as Whitley has kind of fallen, but I want to talk about Joe Boyle. Uh, speaking of sneak peeks, he, you know, he, he's on the A's list and he's pretty high up. Um, and I think it still very much remains to be seen what he is um, from your neck of the draft. Uh, as we like to say, uh, he spent three years at Notre Dame throwing extremely hard and not having any real idea of where it was going. The Reds took uh, took him with their last pick in the shortened 2020 draft. He missed most of 2021, uh, which is not what you want for a guy who clearly you know needs developmental reps. Uh, he was you know because of injury. Uh, in 2022, he did make it to Double A again, missing bats, but command was rough to be kind. Um, and then he got traded. Uh, to the A's for, for Sam Mole. And, I, you know, here's the big question is, what happened when he got to Oakland in the A's organization? Legit? Or is it too small of a sample size? Because he threw more strikes than he has ever thrown, including three starts in Oakland, where he really was very effective, minimized the walks, I mean, it's a true 80 fastball. You know, it's it's triple digits regularly. You know, no one has put him in a bullpen yet because he can keep he can throw triple digits. You know, deep into starts, 100 pitches in, whatever. He's got you know a, a power slider that's very good. He mixes in a, a slightly slower curve. You know, so they are looking at him as a probable piece to their rotation. Now, you know, the A's are rebuilding 
I think in another organization, if they were, if it was a competitive team right now, uh, I don't know that he would, you know, be in a, in a big league rotation mix, but with the way he threw, everyone wants to know like, all right, let's see, let's see if he can maintain that because if he can, then he becomes a whole lot more interesting. And if he can't, and he's kind of around the zone, it's still better than it was, and he could be a, like a high-leverage bullpen piece, which is what I think we all kind of thought he would be if he could figure it out. But it was a very encouraging step forward command-wise for him, and, and now we'll get to see the spring if it's stuck. Yeah, those three starts in Oakland are crazy, Jonathan, because he was in my neck of the draft at Notre Dame, and it was insane. He pitched – he could not throw strikes at all to the extent – he pitched 36 innings in three years. I know – the pandemic year was short, and he only pitched eight innings that year, so it wasn't like he was pitching a lot. He averaged 12 walks per nine innings That's in not college. That's not good, right? Yeah, so he goes to the minors, and they clean him up a little bit, and he averages 7.2 walks per nine innings. He averaged 7.1 last year. Mm-hmm. He averaged eight before the, with the Red Sixth before they made the trade. And even in AAA with the A's, he walked 6.2 batters per nine innings. It was just 16 innings, but he walked 11 guys. Like So it wasn't like... Like he had this epiphany, but then you know, abracadabra, he's in Oakland and he walks five guys in 16 innings. So yeah, I, I, I that, that is a great pick. I am extremely interested to see because I still remember, you know, we didn't know the pandemic year was coming, but like working on our 2020 draft list, you know, in the fall of 2019, we do our early top 100 right before the calendar turns. And the stuff looked great, but everybody's like, I don't know if this guy can throw strikes. It's like a first-round arm, and it's like, I guess we had 20-round drafts at that point, 20th-round control or whatever. Yeah. Like, it, It's amazing. But like, it, like the, the, craziest, the craziest part of it to me was he wasn't throwing strikes in Las Vegas either in AAA. And they call him up. And then he gets to Oakland, and boom, three starts, five walks. So very, very curious to see – how this plays out. I wonder if he and Mason Miller will can like learn from each other. Cause Mason Miller throws super hard, but throws strikes. He's not, you know, six foot seven. Yeah. I mean, he's big, but you know, I, you know, some interesting high octane arms there uh, with the A's. So, um, yep. Before we head to break, why don't we talk briefly? Cause we're going to be talking a lot about, uh, spring breakout. Um, we're very excited about it. Uh, it's uh, coming up starting March 14th, uh, the, the first games, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. That's calendar. correct, yes. And uh, so just stay tuned, you know, check out MLB Pipeline, MLB.com slash Pipeline. Uh, Sam Dykstra wrote a, sort of all the things you need to know uh, and, then, and then also wrote about some some of the best matchups. And we're going to dig into all that as the, as the weeks uh, go on. I know we're all going to be out and covering various of those games. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to see this idea sort of come to come to life. Uh, and people around baseball are really, really excited about it. So stay tuned for more uh, talk about that next week. We'll, we'll spend some more time on that, but for right now, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, Jim and I will talk with Diamondbacks top prospect, Jordan Lawler coming up next on the MLB pipeline podcast.
It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline podcast. Jonathan Mayo here along with Jim Callis taking you through our episode. Uh, as we mentioned at the top, uh, our intrepid host, Jason Ratliff, is getting some well-deserved R&R, but we're going to get some help right now, uh, just like the Diamondbacks are hopefully going to get some help from him during the 2024 season, and that is uh, one of their top prospects, one of the top prospects in all of baseball, Jordan Lawler. Jordan, it's nice to have you. We wanted to have you on while we still can call you a prospect, I'm going to guess that you're counting down the days when that is no longer part of your description. Yeah, I think all of our goals are to, uh, uh, it's great to be a prospect, but at some point you want to work your way off that list, right? Jordan, I mean, last year yeah, you got the big league debut out of the way, uh, which is always exciting, but yours was more exciting than most. I mean, you didn't just get to come up and, and play in the big leagues. You went all the way to the World Series. Like, what was <laughs> that like? Uh, I know you didn't necessarily get to play a ton, but, like, what is that like? I mean, to get called up and then it just keeps going and going and going. Hey, we're in the playoffs. Now we're in the division series. And then you wake up one day and you find yourself in the World Series, too. Yeah, it's hard to believe. I'd say I just describe it as a dream that just kept on giving. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, you're, you're called up in front of the Cubs fans in the middle of a race playing a, um, in some big-time moments. And then you just week after week, you go on, play the Dodgers, you play the Phillies, and then – you're playing the Texas Rangers in the World Series, um, what, a month or two into the, the career, a big league career. Um, so it's amazing, and the experience you gain from that is invaluable. Now, you know – Real quick, one second, Jeff. I just want to – I'm sorry. Jordan, being from Dallas, did you grow up a Rangers fan? I did not. No, I grew up okay. a, a Yankee fan, yeah. <laughs> okay, so so there was no, no, no strange uh, feelings playing the, playing the Rangers in the World Series then. Yeah, no, no bad feelings. No, uh, it must have been weird though to be kind of in your backyard though, playing against that team. That you, you know, I'm sure you grew up watching them play, even if you mysteriously became a Yankee fan. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty amazing. You know, having the friends and family. I grew up 30 minutes from that field, so um, just to be able to drive on the bus with all the guys and kind of look around and, and have some familiarity with the area, um, it was it was pretty pretty odd, but pretty exciting, honestly. Now, you know, Jordan, it, it doesn't happen every year, right? Like, I don't, you, you're not expecting now that every year you go to the World Series. So that, that's rare. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's let's make it not rare. Why, why not do it every year? Why not do it every year? What, you know, you, you got the taste. You got to see what it was like. You, you did a, probably more watching than you're used to. Like, what were you able to take away from your vantage point in the dugout during that run? Like, oh, okay this is what I still need to, to do so I can play. I can be a more integral part of doing this regularly. You know, you can learn a lot just by watching, um, especially at that level. Um, and I have guys like Longo or Seawalk uh, or even Cattell out there and uh, just see how they go about their business, see about how they go about their routines and preparations. 
um, I think you can you can learn a lot about that. And uh, I've added definitely some different pieces um, to what I do just off of observing. And um, um, even guys like Jace Peterson, honestly, um, with some different glove recommendations and, and different things like that, I've definitely added to my arsenal from watching these guys play. Now that you've gotten a, a taste of the big leagues, what do you think you need to do, need to improve on to stay there? Is there anything in particular you went into the offseason looking to work on? Hey, if I dress this, it'll help me make the team, whether it's opening day or, or at some point in 2024. Yeah, my goal was, like it is most offseasons, to get better at everything, um, whether it's space running, um, different fielding, and just being more active with my feet or whatever it may be, um, or just being more aggressive at the plate and, and kind of doing what I do. You know what I mean? Um, just getting better at all facets of the game, and that's kind of how I approach this offseason. Well, you went into the offseason having had, you know, by most accounts, I think probably your most productive offensive season. Is that safe to say a 20, 30 year in the minors to to get you there in the first place? I know you're not one to sort of rest and say like, oh, I've got it figured out. But were you able to look back with some satisfaction that like the things that you had been working on to to address, you you feel like you took steps forward in, in all those areas? Definitely. Yeah. And I think I learned a lot from, let's say that what six week stretch early in the season um, last year that taught me a lot about um, just persevering and um, just going through some different struggles at the plate. I think that was um, invaluable as well. And um, I wouldn't change it for the world. To, I'd go back through that um, experience if I could, if, if you were asked me if I wanted to change anything last year. What is the, the plan for you in spring training? I mean, obviously, Dimebacks have an all-star shortstop at Perdomo. They went out and acquired Eugenio Suarez to play third base. Are you going to be playing different positions? Have they they told you what the plan is? The plan right now, I believe, is just to get the reps at short and uh, just keep improving. Um, defense, offense, just being as consistent of a player as I can be and just ironing out those different routines and preparation. How much time have you spent at other – I mean, I know game-wise it's been – 99.999% shortstop, which I know any shortstop we've ever talked to, like that's what you want to do, but you also understand how it works. Like knowing the the personnel or knowing that there's more than one path, you know, necessarily like, have you been getting time just so you're, you're familiar with the angles and the, and the looks at, at those other spots more regularly? So I played, we had one game um, in AAA and then right, that was actually the game before the call up. Um, so, yeah, I've gotten one actual game at third base. Other than that, I really have been taking most of my ground balls at shortstop. Um, but obviously, I want to do whatever I need to do to help the team win and be an impact player. Um, but, yeah, it's been shortstop mainly right now. One thing I wanted to ask you, Jordan, is, I mean, obviously, in today's game, the focus offensively is you want to hit the ball hard, you want to drive it in the air. And – you know, it seems like it's simple. It's a lot simpler to say that than do it. But last year, in your in your second full season as a pro, you did hit the ball harder. You did drive the ball in the air more often. What did you do in particular to make that happen? Because I know it's not just a matter of going up to the plate and saying, "Okay, I'm going to swing harder and with more of an uppercut." Like, like how do you actually go about increasing exit velocity and and hitting, making more line drive, you know, fly ball contact? Yeah, it, said, it says something to the approach, but also I think there's some parts of maturity just naturally as well um, in a good offseason of just strength training and, and those sorts of things. Um, but I think, yeah, sticking to 
um, a pretty strict approach of just trying to hit those low, hard backspin line drives in the gaps. Um, when the lights turn on and it's game time, those tend to, to travel over the fence. And um, if I can keep hitting the ball hard, then um, good things happen. Are you ahead of schedule? Do you think like, you know, obviously your goal is always to get to the big leagues and to do it as quickly as possible. But I mean, I know the times I've interacted with you, you seem to have a good head on your shoulder. So it wasn't like I should be there right now, but you know, for a high schooler from your draft class, you're, you know, you're the only high schooler to make it up. You know, some of the college guys have, have made, you know, an imprint as well, but is there some pride in, in, in being that first prep guy to, to get there? And do you, you know, do you think that, wow, I like, I knew it was going to happen, but I, I didn't know that touched the big leagues as quickly as I did. I'd say it could, um, but I'm big on no, not comparing. I try not to compare to others. Um, try to run my own race and kind of just do what I do because I think there's so many different ways to, to skin a cat, especially in baseball, uh, whether it's uh, in the plate or out on the field. So I try to just get better at what I know I need to get better at. And I think keeping that mindset helps me kind of stay where I'm at mentally, stay level, stay even kill and uh, just be successful. The Diamondbacks have a, a ton of, of talented young players, Jordan. I always like to ask players about other players. Uh, what was it like, I mean, you being up for the final month and then in October as well, you're playing with guys like Corbin Carroll and Gabriel Moreno and Alec Thomas and Perdomo, who, much like yourself, these guys were all veterans of our top 100 prospects list and ranked very highly. Well, what was it like getting to see those guys in action on a daily basis? Yeah, it's awesome. They all bring something different to the table. Uh, I mean, you have Corbin smoking balls 110 and then being one of the fastest guys in the big leagues. Uh, it's pretty fun to watch. Uh, I would recommend it for sure. Um, but even, yeah, seeing Perdomo out there working, doing his thing um, with the glove. And then you guys, guys like AT as well. Um, it's amazing to, to see the talent and see all the tools. Um, and it's even better when they come together and and you just have a good chemistry in the clubhouse. And, I mean, you saw what, what happened last year. I say that's the, the byproduct of just good people and really talented individuals. I'll flip that question around a little bit, Jordan, and ask you about players you've faced. Um, you know, you've, you've made a stop at, you know, at every level. You know, the, the Dimebacks obviously have a ton of talent internally, but who are some of the guys that you've seen along the way? Either you saw in the batter's box or, or pitchers you faced who were like, you were really looking forward to like, Oh, I've heard a lot about this guy and Oh, he lived up to it. You know, who are some of those guys that you can think of? Yeah. Some of the guys come right off the top of my head would be Jackson Merrill with the, with the Padres. And I played him. Um, even James Wood kind of coming up. That's, that was exciting to watch um, guys like um, let's say even the big leagues. And I was watching them, I'd say Francisco Lindor and, and judge. I'd say just looking at, what all of these guys can do. It's really exciting to be just a fan of the game. Um, and I'm blessed to play on the other side of the ball whenever they're at the play. Who have been the toughest pitchers you've faced? I, mean, I, I still, I, I feel like it's this all the time, but like, you just watch how hard guys throw and how much the ball moves. I don't know how anybody ever gets a hit. Like, so <laughs> who's impressed you while you've been standing in the batter's box that you've seen either in the minors or in your brief time in the big leagues? Yeah, I would say guys like Merrifield on the Cubs. Um, even, I mean, Zach Allen, it's pretty hard to, <laughs> to say anything other than that for Zach Allen as well. He's been uh, exciting to see how his different pitches move. 
um, E-Rod in the time that, that he's been here uh, with these live ABs. Um, but yeah, I'd say I've taken the most pride off of just kind of seeing Gallon pitch, I would say. All right, Jordan, before we let you go, just one you know piece of advice. We've been around the game a long time. I know your first big league hit, you know, you had a leg out, was an infield single. 20 years from now, that better be at least a line drive, if not something that hit a wall. Like you need to embellish as you get older. Your grandchildren have to think you homered in your first at bat. Hey, for real. Hey, the, the further you get away from it, the more you can start adding to the story. <laughs> That's it. Um, many more to come, I'm sure. Jordan, good luck the rest of the spring training. We're excited to see uh, what you bring to the Diamondbacks, uh, hopefully in, in the big leagues more often than not uh, this year and beyond. Thanks so much uh, for taking some time to speak with us today. Thank Thanks you. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll have more of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. We're going to shift gears right now. Jonathan Mayo along with Jim Callis. And we're going to uh, start looking at some some amateur baseball. Uh, you know, as you said at the top, not only the start of spring training is a sign, uh, you know, an exciting time in the calendar, but uh, it was also the opening weekend of college baseball. We, for the first time, you know, you know we put out our, our t- draft top 100 in December. And this is the first time we get to see any of those guys really in, in action and get any kind of feedback, both in terms of data, talking to scouts, whatever it is. You know, it's just one weekend, but uh, you know, I think it's uh, it's an exciting time. Now, you wrote, Jim, I, I mean, I think there are going to be so many eyes on Wake Forest this year. Uh, yep. Unbelievable team, top-ranked team in the country. Also incredibly loaded with draft talent, maybe five first rounders. Um, they did what you would expect them to do in their in their first weekend. Is this the most loaded college team ever, Jim? They could set the record with five first rounders in one draft. You know, this is great. Like like you know, we both do pipeline inbox which I think we both enjoy doing. You interact with readers and listeners and you get questions. And I will give a shout out to Lindsey Crosby, big baseball guy at Crosby Baseball, who wanted to ask if this was the most talented roster. So I stole John, this question. This will shock you. Shock you. I, I went down the rabbit hole and I wrote, I think, like a 700-word answer. That sounds right. Inbox, which almost could have been a whole inbox. But yeah, so you have you know, the five potential first rounders on this year's club. You got Nick Kurtz. Who's, who's number two? Like they basically have Nick Kurtz, who's the best all-around offensive player in college baseball, and he homered and struck out one time in their first three games. As they began the season three zero. They've got Seaver King, who probably has the best combination of athletic ability and hitting ability, 
Uh, he's transferred from NC uh, from Wingate Division II school. Uh, he had two hits, two steals, a little bit of a slow weekend for him. And then they're loaded with pitchers. Josh Hartle's our top-ranked pitcher in the draft, Jonathan. He gave up one run in five and two-thirds innings, which makes him the slacker <laughs> among their pitching stars. Because Chase Burns, who transferred from Tennessee, uh, had 10 strikeouts and six scoreless More innings. More on him later. Yep. And then Michael Massey, who was in their bullpen last year and struck out like nearly half the batters he faced, his transition to the to rotation. And he, he came in with three scoreless innings. So anyway, five potential first-rounders. The record's three. Um, it's been done seven times, most recently by by the Gators in 2018, Florida, with Jonathan India, Brady Singer, and Jackson Kowar. So they can make history. I don't think they're going to be the most talented because I was thinking back, Vanderbilt, that 2014 Vanderbilt club, they weren't all in the same draft, but they had the number one overall pick in 2015 in Dansby Swanson, right. three other first rounders in Carson Fulmer, Tyler Beatty, Walker Bueller a supplemental first-rounder, Jordan Sheffield, two second-rounders, and Ben Bowden and Brian Reynolds, eight other draft picks, and they have had four, five, six, seven, nine players off that team make the big leagues already. And then I won't I won't go into the, the very lengthy answer, but two teams from last year to look at, yet LSU had the top two picks in the draft, which had never happened before, Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz. They had a supplemental first-rounder in Ty Floyd. They had a second-rounder in Grant Taylor. This year, Tommy White and Thatcher Hurd could be first-rounders. They got Paxton Kling, Gavin Gittery, and Jared Jones who are early round possibilities. And they got a bunch of highly touted recruits who are going to be eligible again in 2025. So keep an eye on them. Last year's Wake team didn't have Seaver King and, and Burns on it, Chase Burns on it, but they had two other first rounders in Rhett Louder and Brock Wilkins. So when we look back, that team could have five first round picks in total. And they had 10 players drafted last year alone. But the, the capper. Probably the consensus, if you go way back, this is before I was covering it, Jonathan. This is so what? long ago. I was Baseball alive. I, I was alive, but I was not covering the 1976 Arizona State Sun Devils. But just when I was when I was Mr. College Baseball at Baseball America early in my career, people would talk about that team. The Sun Devils finished third at the College World Series. They didn't win the national title, but they had two number one overall picks on that team, Floyd Bannister and Bob Horner, who are also two of the greatest college baseball players of all time. They had another first rounder, Ken Landro. They had two second rounders. 26 of the 27 players on the roster wound up getting drafted eventually, and 13 of them played in the big leagues. Ken Phelps is probably the next biggest name. Um, so that's probably going to be the most talented ever. But in terms of history, Wake has a chance to have five first rounders in one draft, and nobody's ever had more than three. Unbelievable. So, Jonathan, I mean, I, I was focused on Wake. That was one of the things I was looking at. And I want to give a quick shout-out to our colleague, Jesse Boric. Um, I usually spend the first week of the season at the Desert Invitational, which I love broadcasting. My, my wife, Anne, came down with COVID, so I did not go. She is, she's healthy. She's 100% now. But I did not go. And Jesse Boric, with maybe 36 hours warning, maybe not even that much, all of a sudden became the, the, the prospect color guy. Uh, for the Desert Invitational, three games on LV Network. And I thought Jesse did a great job. So I want to give a shout out to him. Um, so I was I was watching Wake. I was I was listening, watching the Desert Invitational, enjoying that. What were you what were you monitoring this week? Well, I I feel like we even talked about last week, or you know, but we've talked about it a few times. You know, two of the the hitters at the at the top of what the you know, a hitter heavy and college bat heavy class. Uh, which made this last weekend so much fun. But I think J.J. Weatherholt at West Virginia and Travis Bazana at Oregon State 
we're going to be kind of looking at them. You know, they're both middle infielders. They're both likely second baseman at the next level. Uh, they, you know, have similar tool sets, you know, Weatherholt, you know, maybe a slightly better pure hitter. Pazan has got slightly more power, uh, you know, at least as it graded out. Um, so kind of going to be watching what, uh, you know, what they're doing. And I'll start with Bazana cause he, you know, he was in Arizona and people should keep an eye out for, uh, for my newsletter, which, uh, you know, may hit their inbox by the time you're listening to this, but I actually reached out to scouting directors and national scouts around the country to sort of be like, Hey, what stood out to you? Where'd you go? And, you know, one of the things that was great about being in Arizona is you could go to the Desert Invitational for a day. Uh, you know, you, you could run over to the University of Arizona if you wanted. And then in surprise, they had the College Baseball Classic, which, which is where Bazana was. He went seven for 13 with three homers. So showing the more, you know, the more power there. Uh, Weatherholt, uh, West Virginia started down in Stetson. Uh, he went four for 13. I actually talked to you know, a, a senior scouting advisor type of person who was there. And he was like, yeah, he's a really good hitter. But on Monday, they had the games kicked to Monday. They had a double header. He uh, had one of these really kind of awkward to watch, avoiding a tag at home plate, non-contact injuries. And it looks like it's his hamstring, which is an injury that has been bothering him for quite some time. It hampered him over the summer. Um, the last I was told uh, is that he was going to have an ultrasound as we were recording. Um, so we'll have to sort of see what happens there. Hopefully it doesn't keep him out for too long. Um, but uh, those, those were two guys that uh, I was really uh, looking at. And, and obviously one of the, the scouts who got back to me about standouts from the weekend, Bazana was a, a clear choice among the, uh, among the people in Arizona, along with Caleb Lomavita at Cal who had a, had a very good desert invitational. How about Jim in your, in your neck of the draft, anybody else kind of jump out? Well, you know, you know, I've got to monitor Charlie Condon carefully since he, he went to my, he goes to my alma mater, Georgia. He's number four on our, our draft list. And I, I do think, I do think the gap between him and say Nick Kurtz is, is perhaps the best all around offensive player in terms of hitting for average, hitting for power, drawing walks, is maybe closer than people suspect, the fans might suspect. And, you know, Georgia opened the season with UNC Asheville, Charlie Condon, seven for 11, three walks. So he, he was hitting the ball hard. He, you know, one of the, the things that may help his cause is we've talked about the fact that four of the top eight hitters in this draft, they're all college prospects, are for potential first baseman at the next level. Charlie Condon played first base last year. He's going to play left field, right field this year. Open the season and left. I don't know if you saw the highlight, John. I don't know if you were monitoring your, your your Twitter feed all weekend, but he made a nice running catch where he tumbled into the bullpen down the left field line after making the catch, held on to the ball. Uh, pretty impressive play. So so Charlie Condon hitting as usual and also making a nice play in left field and showing that he's got the athleticism, I think. I think of our our potential first baseman, you know, Nick Kurtz, Tommy White is the third base right now at LSU, Jack Caglinone at Florida, who's a two-way guy. Charlie Condon has the best chance to play a position other than first base. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. I think the the one other guy that came up among the scouts was um, was Christian Moore at Tennessee. 
uh, you know, someone had gone to because they they have you know uh, a number of of bats there, and Christian Moore kind of kind of stood out uh, just because he had you know really professional at bats, a little more raw power compared to last spring, and also played uh, a solid shortstop at least you know in this in this one look. Uh, so I think that, uh, he's, a not that we weren't already watching him firmly on our top 100, but that was a guy that was, was brought up in the smattering of responses, uh, I got. I also, yeah, I was going to say that that whole team went off, Jonathan, cause I, I, we have a number of volunteers on our top 100 Dylan Dryling crushed a home run. The exit velocity, I think was over 110 miles an hour. Billy Amick who transferred from Clemson and was as hot as any college hitter the final two, three months last year. He had a big weekend, so the, the the volunteers, even though they lost Chase Burns, who we talked about, he transferred to Wake Forest, look like they're going to be formidable. And how's that? I'm, I'm teaming Look at that. Here. I will just say, yeah, before, I don't want to ruin that perfect segue, but uh, Christian Moore went six for 13 with three doubles, uh, a couple of runs batted in and a stolen base. Um, they also, and now I'm going to ruin my own That's segue. okay. We can do it again. If you want to go look at highlights on Twitter, they turned a triple play on a bunt. They, they, wow. they, they were, I forget which game it was guy batter popped up the bunt. The pitcher made this unbelievable diving catch off the mound to grab the ball right before it hit the grass and then fired to second base. They tagged second, tagged the runner triple play. Christian Moore was involved in that. Christian Moore almost couldn't believe it. He went back to tag the runner again after he left the base. four outs, uh, four outs. But yeah, that, that was a pretty cool play. So anybody listen to this, if you want, that, that might've been the coolest play of the weekend, at least. The coolest place that I saw. Yeah. Uh, and that's saying something considering one of your bulldogs tumbled into the bullpen to make a catch, as you talked about, and you're picking the triple play. True. So that's uh, impressive SEC, objectivity. I'm still an Homer. Uh, still an SEC All right. Homer. Fair, fair enough. All right. Let, uh, let's go to the mailbag, which Jim so properly teased, and then we stepped all over it. Um, this comes from at Greg Maturin28. <laughs> and his, it's Gary Gaetti fan account. Cause sure. Um, holy moly, Chase Burns. If he keeps this up, does he go top five? Now, Jim, you have uh, gracefully uh, put together a bunch of data. And I think, you know, to sort of tee over that, the biggest thing with Chase Burns, no one's ever doubted the stuff. It's a question of, will he throw enough strikes to feel confidence that he's a starting pitcher to vault him into that conversation? Yeah, I mean, he was – I mean, they faced Illinois. That was the best team they faced this weekend. Six innings, three hits, one walk, ten strikeouts. I, 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 my, my data compiling consisted, Jonathan, of looking at synergy mm-hmm. um, and, and reading it. But, yeah, the fastball averaged 98. He touched 101. 52% swing and miss rate on the fastball, which is insane. The slider averaged 88. It topped out at 92. 46% swing and Mitch. Swing and miss. I don't Who's know Mitch? Swing and Mitch. Swing and miss. I don't know. Mitch Webster, I guess. Swing and miss. Uh, 58 to 88 pitches for strikes. He didn't use curveball changeup much. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about, you know, we've talked about several times. This, this draft, we have, what, 12 straight hitters at the top of our draft list. 11 of them are college hitters. There's a number of college pitchers who are interesting. I don't think we're necessarily going to have 12 straight hitters at the top of the draft. Yes, if Chase Burns pitches like this, and he's throwing the fastball and slider for that many strikes, and he doesn't give up a run all year. <laughs> um, and he averages 15 strikeouts per nine. Yeah, I think he'll go in the top five. I'm being a little facetious. No, it's no. He he definitely has the potential. 
But like you, you alluded to this a little bit, Jonathan. He's kind of an enigma because, I mean, this isn't. He showed the same stuff last year, at Tennessee. I mean, I, I saw him his first game of the year at the Desert Invitational, um, and he showed this kind of stuff. Um, but his fastball at times will get straight and get hit. Now he's at Wake, which does a great job I was with pitchers. Mention the pitching, pitching lab, lab, yeah. So like we'll see, you know, if that's a thing. Um, his slider's insane. Yeah, his slider's actually slipping, Jonathan, because he had a 61% swing and miss rate last year. So they've ruined the slider. It's under 50% now. Um, <laughs> but like the things you still want to see with Chase Burns, I mean, he did throw strikes, huge development. We, we didn't really see a change up. We didn't really see a curveball. And he pitched his way out of the Tennessee rotation last year. So, I, I, yes, if he looks as good as he did this week, I think he will. He has a very good chance to be the first pitcher taken um, and be a top five pick. But I still think as spectacular as he was, you still want to see more than two pitches. You still want to see, you know, is fastball going to miss bats all year? You still want to see, can he throw strikes on a consistent basis? And, and I, I, so I still think there's questions for him to answer. He did do a better job than Brody Brecht, who's got similar crazy stuff and struck out a bunch of guys over the weekend, but also once walked a bunch right. of guys too. I, I think this, listen, and I appreciate, uh, you know, that Greg, you said, if he keeps this up, right. It's not like he's extrapolating crazily and oh, he's top yeah, yeah. five right now, but he, I, you know, for me, he was always the guy that it circled as the, the, the college arm who could, jump up. I had more confidence that he would. That doesn't mean like a Josh Hartle can't land in the top 10, um, but doesn't have that exciting stuff. And with Chase Burns, it was all a matter of harnessing it. And Wake Forest might be the best place on earth as a college pitcher to go to hopefully harness it. And we'll see. And it's not that he doesn't have a curve or a changeup, right? Like, so, you know, you know, there have been countless times where top pitching prospects in college, like, oh, I don't know. He doesn't really have you know, a third pitch. And then suddenly there it is. Um, I remember back to like Justin Verlander and people were like, oh, I don't know. He doesn't have a changeup. I'm like, yeah, he does. He doesn't need it. Um, so uh, it's a very promising first start, but that's all it is. It's a first start. Let's see where it goes. But I, I agree with you that I think if, if this continues and not, you know, not to the extent that you pointed it out, like he doesn't give up a run all year. If he commands that stuff, well all year he is going to move yeah top five it's going to depend on you know what direction those teams want to go in but definitely uh, higher up the list than we, we currently have all right that's going to do it it's a wrap for this week's mlb pipeline podcast don't forget to subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode our thanks to jordan lawler for joining us and if you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions want to go swimming with pigs leave us a rating and a review thanks for listening we'll see you next week okay picture this It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.